Aaron Meyer. This is the 19.9 Podcast. Today, we are speaking with Danny Manning, current Maryland basketball assistant coach and full-fledged member of Hardwood History. He was a part of the 1988 NCAA championship team, sometimes known as Danny and the Miracles. Team started nine and eight. What allowed the team to to persevere? Like most seasons for a lot of teams, you have your ebbs and flows and your valleys and your high points. And we certainly were in a a valley for Kansas basketball in terms of where we were at the season. We talk about being nine and eight and who's going to get to the tournament, who's not going to get to the tournament. You know, maybe we can get a home NIT game or some of the things that you're <laughs> that you're hearing. And at that point, you know, we're just like, well, hold on, man. yeah, we're we're. You know, we're, we're at Kansas. This, is, this isn't supposed to be happening. We also get into Danny's extensive resume as an NBA player, assistant, and head coach. He has influenced so many parts of the game we all love. It's a thrill to have the opportunity to hear his retelling of a few of these moments. You know, as a player, it's just like, let's go ball. Let's go hoop. No. Coach, you got a scout report. You're trying to figure out the right matchup. You're yeah. trying to have some special plays in your back pocket in case you get in a certain situation <laughs> and things of that nature. You know your health has to be good. And It's time to start the show. Yeah, this is amazing. When Welcome to the 19.9 Podcast. On today's episode, we've got a special guest. We've got Danny Manning, who is not just part of Hardwood history, but is uh, still writing his story uh, of har- uh, on the hardwood. I uh, just want to say welcome to the show. Danny, how are you today? Thank you for having me, and I'm doing very, very well. feel very fortunate and blessed to have the day. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. You, it, it, it could feel like that some, some days, especially over these past couple of years. Hey, uh, I, I wanted to start out. We've been starting out asking guests uh, th- this time of year. What what does this time of year? Because I think for me growing up, it was such a a special time just because it had so much promise to it, and I just love the changing of the season. So, just wanted to get your perspective on what this time of the year means to you now, or what to even what it meant to you growing up. Well, for me, this time of year is a a fun time of year from the standpoint of it's the kickoff of basketball season. Now, the different leagues and levels start at different times, but the general vicinity of, of fall means it's basketball is about to get started. And so for me, it's always a wonderful time, an exciting time. And, um, you know, basketball has been very good to me. It's given me a chance to experience a lot of different things I never thought I'd be able to experience. And so when the fall rolls around and you know you get to that point of, hey, it's starting up again, <laughs> that's always exciting. No doubt. So take us into like coach, coach Manning's perspective, because I think that, uh, you know, as a player, you have a, a different sort of feeling. But what's the what's your mindset once the season kind of kicks off? You've been working in the off season with players and, and working on development. What, what's your pers- perspective or approach to, to players as they as they really start the season? Well, the perspective and the mindset is let's get better each time we step out here on the court. You know, that's the mm-hmm. mindset. And, um, you know, it's a lot different now than when I played. 
um, you know, when I was playing, I think October 15th was the start date, right? <laughs> yeah. So you didn't do anything. You might have some conditioning and playing pickup or with, with your teammates, but October 15th was the start date. And now we're a year-round sport. <laughs> you know, our guys are no here kidding. in the summers and, and, and things of that nature. And so in their eyes, they're practicing all the time. But in the coach's eyes, from our experiences in the past, we know that October, middle of October, time frame is when it really starts to get going and so for us it's we want to implement our system we want to make sure our guys are grasping what we're trying to get them to accomplish out on the court and it's a build-up you know this is the start of it and so you know now you're getting into hours of practice a couple hours a day and still have your weights and your conditioning sessions that you have to get through so there's a lot that goes through your mind as a coach because you're trying to get your team prepared for your first outing or your first mm. um, exhibition game, if you will. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that are running through your head saying, we got to get this in. We got to get our man offense in. We got to get our zone offense in. We got to get our baseline, <laughs> ba- baseline out of bounds man and zone in. We got to work on defense, ball screen defense. How are we going to play the post? Where are we going to trap the post from? Are we going to trap the post? You know, so there's so many different things that you've got that checklist that you're trying to hit these boxes before you get to your first game. And yeah. as a player, you, you had no idea. That. <laughs> as a player, you're just out there balling. You're right. Like, Coach, I just want to hoop. Let me, yeah, yeah. let me go. But there's so many different things that, that go through your mind as a coach. Simpler times, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, okay. So I think, you know, you describing that is something that I, I found talking to some coaches now is that the, the role of coach has morphed into, you know, not, not just kind of that one-to-one relationship or even like the plays. It's almost like you're managing a, a, an organization or a business rather than uh, rather than you know just coaching a team or, or players, so how do you find time, or what what are your uh, what's your approach to still being able to build those relationships with with players? Because that's still you know key to, to a team and building that camaraderie. You're absolutely right. You know, making sure that you do different things away from the court really helps build a relationship with anybody, any level that you're working with, mm. and it's. It's a lot harder now in college from the standpoint of there's so many different things that are going on. There's so many different directions that all these young people are getting pulled at the (laughs) college level that, you know, you have to find different ways to reach out to guys. So, you know, a lot of times it's obviously calling someone into the office is a little bit different than them just coming in on their own and wanting to chop it up and visit with (laughs) you. You know, maybe a class got canceled and and they got an extra hour and they come through the office Hmm. so you know you're just finding different ways to connect whether you're getting out on the practice court early and and talking to guys just building that camaraderie how was your day yeah Uh, you know different things like that reaching out via text um because that's the the mode of communication now with most the players that we come across you hit them with a text and they, they can hit you back and so you're doing a lot of different things like that just to let them know you care about them as a human being. And that's something that, you know, all the coaches that I work for um, have preached, you know, and Coach Turgeon certainly does that, making sure that um, each player on our team feels like he has a staff member that's a mentor that's invested in him away from the court academically, and just try to pour our experiences as staff members into our players to help them along their way on their journey. 
I love that. I love that. I mean, it, that, that's that's what it's all about finding that those moments, and sometimes too, just the the availability. You know, having that, especially as a young person, that you just don't know when things are going to come up in your life, and to have those kind of steady steady folks in your life uh, to help guide you through those moments can be a, a real uh, you know blessing to have. It sure is. I mean, in so many things that. You know, we evolved and we always continue to get better in all different aspects, whether it's communication, whether it's understanding of the game. Um, but, you know, we also put a premium on the the mental health of mm. the young people that we come in contact with on a daily basis. And it's, um, you know, the tough love is still there. That's kind of the era that I grew up in. Um, but, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. And so... Um, I mean, there's a point and there's a time for that tough love, but there's also um, situations where you just want to make sure that guys are doing okay or the young people that we're coming in contact with are doing okay, whether it's, hey, I know your your grandmother's not feeling well. How's she doing today? Or, you know, your mom got a new promotion at work. How's that going? So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we're trying to connect to all of our, our, our young people. But at the end of the day, we just want them to to be humble, want them to be hungry and wanting to continue to get better. Thankful for everything that you have because there are a lot of people that are in a little bit tougher situations than we're experiencing right now. Yeah. And just grateful for the day, at the, you know, at the, at the end of it, you want to be grateful for the day because um, unfortunately, there's some people that didn't get to receive this day yeah right you said that right 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 from the start i think that's a great perspective to have sometimes we can lose that but uh recapturing that that feeling and that that knowledge is important it gives you it gives you energy to, to propel yourself forward during the day too absolutely <laughs> especially as a coach we, the way we connected i know you're the the thing i think uh uh you know Growing up in Kansas, uh, you know, definitely admired uh, Danny Manning. That was one of my first teams that I that I uh, watched and followed. So to see still putting in the effort and, and talking about the ways that you're connecting with the players of today, I think is exciting and shows how much the game means to you. So transitioning to that, I had to get a couple of memories from that from that team. And uh, you know, the team started nine and eight uh, after a loss to, to Oklahoma. It wasn't looking like even a tournament team, maybe. Uh, and I wanted to just kind of hit on the one thing I wanted to hit on, maybe take a different perspective on is what allowed the team to, to persevere. Uh, because I think that, you know, I'm sure that could translate. And it's kind of a little bit of what you're talking about right now. And I, I just wanted to see what you saw on that team or, or what your recollections were about how you guys were over to, uh, able to overcome, uh, you know, not, not the start that you wanted. Well, I think for us, you know, that 1988 season, like most seasons for a lot of teams, you have your ebbs and flows and your valleys and your high points. And we certainly were in a, a valley for Kansas basketball in terms of where we were at the season. We talk about being nine and eight. And then you hear teams talking about who's going to get to the tournament, who's not going to get to the tournament. You know, maybe we can get a home NIT game or some of the things that you're, <laughs> that you're hearing. And at that point, you know, we're just like, well, hold on. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're at Kansas. This is this isn't supposed to be happening. Um, just because we're at Kansas, you, right. you know what I mean? From yeah. a naive um, young person perspective, that's really just generated from the athletic side. But we had a coach in Larry Brown, and every time that we lost a game during that early part of our season, you know, Coach Brown would come in the locker room and he would give us our 
you know, his spiel and talk about what we needed to do better. And then at the end of the day, he says, guys, we're close. Hmm. We're really close. We're getting close. And, you know, that's that's a frustrating message to continue to get as a team when you're losing games. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, we, we, we continue to believe and buy into his system. We got better. And I think one of the saving graces for us was we liked each other as, as players, mm. as, as teammates. And we were able to use those relationships to help us get better on the court in the sense of we got away from the personal feelings of a teammate getting on you to saying, you're right, I got to do better. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I yeah. mean? Opposed to, uh, well, I box out Danny and then Danny come back. Well, you didn't box out two plays ago or you didn't do, you know, it's just like, yeah. you're right, I got to get better. Yeah. And and then, you know, we, we just continue to do the things necessary to give ourselves a chance to win. And we didn't care about who got the credit or the recognition. We just wanted to continue to play. And, you know, we we got hot at the right time. Coach Brown implements a system that we all buy into. And, you know, we take off from there. But, you know, for me, it's just you go back and you think about all the things that we went through to get to that point. Mm. And those hardships early in the season were extremely difficult for all of us. But it helped prepare us to go on a long run. Huh. I love that. I love that perspective. What what made Larry Brown so unique? I mean, talk about a, a character in the history of uh, college basketball. I mean, the fact that he's still still going too. I love I love that. But what made made him or makes him so unique and, and different? Um, you hit the nail on the head. Coach Brown is eighty years old and he's still coaching. Like, wow. <laughs> I know. You know, so I'm, looking, I know. I'm looking around and up, you know, I see different people and you know, Coach Turgeon I talk about it all the time. Coach is eighty and he's still doing it. Yeah. It's like eighty. That's incredible. He, uh, think about how many got, years you got left now. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, you know, for, for Coach Brown, he he made us better basketball players and he made us better people. He yeah. prepared us for life after basketball. And that's something that um everyone that's played for coach has utilized in some way, shape, or form on their journey um, since meeting him. You know, his, his mind is, he's a genius in the things that he sees um, in his evaluation skills of players. Um, and so for all of us, you know, we're, we're extremely fortunate and, and, and blessed to have had him be a part of our journey. I'm not having said that, he was hard to play for because he was so <laughs> challenging, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, every day, it's if this is your ceiling, I want to get you as close to your ceiling as possible every day. And sometimes as a young teenager, um, kind of the Thundercat mentality of, oh, man, I'm athletic, I can do this, I can, I'm 17, I'm 18, I'm invincible. <laughs> you know, to have yeah. somebody telling you every day, well, you can do better, huh. you can do better. Um, was challenging at times. Yeah. And, you know, to figure out ways to, to navigate that. Uh, and the first thing that you got to understand is, is he's challenging me like this every day because he sees something in me. He's challenging me like this every day because he wants me to be the best that I can possibly be. And sometimes as a, not sometimes, a lot of times as an adolescent teenager on a college campus, you got a few other thoughts running through your head too, opposed to just playing basketball. And, <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> you know, and so for him to be able to find different ways to keep you motivated, to challenge you, 
to get outside of your box. Um, you know, I, I laugh now because I find myself saying a lot of things to the young people that I come in contact with every day that Coach Brown said to me and yeah. our team. You know, it's just like, you know, he always had this saying, another day to be great, kiddo. And, you know, as like a that. teenager, you're like, another day to be great. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, coach, let's huddle up and get ready for practice, right? Yeah, yeah. And then now you're saying, you know, grateful for the day. Like, you're right. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is another day, and I got to maximize this day because tomorrow's not promised. And so, you know, all those little, little antidotes that he would throw out to you and, you know, you find yourself repeating them not only to your team but to your kids right, right? yeah to yeah family members and, and and so you know the the impact that coach brown has had on all of us has been tremendous that's awesome you can you can feel that there's something in those little anecdotes and about uh little sayings that give a rhythm to to life that i think you know you're, you're hitting on there um some, something to just kind of a stickiness to a situation where if you, yes. you connect it with that with that it does mm -hmm. uh, it does kind of blend things together in a really positive way I love, yes. I love that yes. all right I, I don't want to spend too much time but the NBA kicks off today so I, ca I can't not uh, let go so I just wanted to get kind of overall kind of the same thing with the NBA's Kansas your overall thoughts about time in the NBA and then following up on that you know you had I was talking to someone the other day describing your your NBA career and I kind of compared it to to Grant Hill from a little bit later era and just that you overcame so much and and you've talked a lot about other things I'm sure that 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 mental strength that you developed in overcoming injuries to to become so successful in the NBA and I just wanted to see kind of you know who helped you along the way there how you got through kind of the the tough times because that that transition you know could have been seamless but you know you had had to overcome things to to get to the level of success that you you were able to reach well i'm very fortunate and blessed to, to have played in the nba for 15 years i've had a lot of um great support around me to to keep me motivated to to, to keep me invested uh, and also have great doctors and great therapists <laughs> no doubt. From, from the the medical side of, of helping me get back. Mm. And so for me, I, I look at it as something where I was just blessed to have the right people in my corner, whether mm. it was my wife and my kids that, I, you know, you wake up every day and it's just like, I, you know, I need to provide for my family or yeah. I need to make sure I set a, an example of work for my kids to see. Um, and, you know, part of it was my love for the game. I, I didn't want it to be over. And and so that's why you, you do a lot of the different things that you do. But, you know, for me, battling through um, injuries, in particular my ACL injuries, um, were something that I'm extremely proud of, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, I, I hope no one has to go through three ACLs and during their career or any ACL for yeah, that matter. No kidding. Um, but to be able to come back from three and be the only player in the history of the game that I know of or heard of to have done that, um, I'm proud of it. Hmm. And that's just my journey. I mean, you know, I can't talk about or elaborate on what if it didn't happen. It did happen. Yeah. 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 And, and it, so, you know, you move it from that point forward. So, like I said, Dr. Stephen Lombardo did all three of my surgeries. And he was a surgeon that 
he gave me hope. He gave me inspiration from the standpoint of, you know, you go through and you're meeting with different doctors and you're talking to them on the phone because we weren't Zooming back then. Right. If you didn't go see him in person. And so, you know, he was a, a doctor that came to me and was just like, listen, this is what I can do. I can repair your ligament. I can give that ligament a chance to put you in a situation where you can get back out there on the court. Mm. But the rest is on you. You got to do the rehab. You're going to have to fight through discomfort. You're going to have to retrain your body, retrain your mind to play with this type of situation. Is it possible? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. But this is what I can do. You got to do the rest. And, and that's all I needed to hear. And, you know, the, the therapist that we had at Curlin and Joe um, Orthopedic Clinic in the L.A. area was Clyde Brewster and he was someone that had wonderful people around him and you know the different therapists and you know my personal trainer and Carl Horn were just people that kept me motivated and you know like I said very very fortunate to get back from it but uh, it was something that I felt like I could do and a lot of it had to do with the mindset that I had a chance to develop and home while I was at Kansas playing for Coach Brown and seeing teammates on my basketball team. Archie Marshall went through ACL injuries and came back out on the court. I had football buddies at Kansas that had ACLs and got back out on the football field. And so being able to see those young people that I was close with, like they were my boys, they were my friends to come back from that injury, I knew it was possible. And from that point forward, I, I just tried to make rehab the best part of my day every day oh, wow. in terms of physically trying to get better now obviously the best part of the day was seeing my kids and sure, being around sure. my family things of that nature but from a basketball perspective yeah. that was the best part of my day because it was getting me in my mind a step closer back to being where i wanted to be and doing what i wanted to do i love that perspective that's cool Let's let's dive back into into uh, coaching. I want to talk just starting out with uh, Kansas, kind of comparing that 2008 uh, title and just how it felt different or uh, or the same as as when you won it as a player. Well, whenever you're able to be the last team standing or, or cut down the nets on that stage, it's always a terrific feeling. Um, as a player, you're a lot more. I'm naive to all the things that have to happen or need to happen for something like that to go down. <laughs> you know, as a player, it's just like, let's go ball. Let's go hoop. Yeah, yeah. got a scout report. You're trying to figure out the right matchup. You're yeah. trying to have some special plays in your back pocket in case you get in a certain situation <laughs> and things of that nature. You know, your health has to be good. And, you know, so many different things that go through your mind as, yeah, as, a, as a coach. Yeah. So as a player, you know, you're just like, wow, you know, we're playing in the Final Four. We're playing for a national championship. This is cool. And as a coach, you're just like, oh, my gosh, dude, are, are, are we ready for this? We got to make <laughs> sure we've got something for this in case they do this and in case they do that. And so in 1988, after we won the championship, I didn't realize the magnitude of what that meant in terms of how it would affect all of us on our journey moving forward yeah it changed our lives yeah um and so we're very fortunate for that but i really didn't get a chance to see the impact and the love that it provided for 
the university community because I moved on to the professional ranks. Mm -hmm. And I got a chance to experience that in 2008. Hmm. I love that. Right? So it's, you know, you win the national championship as a player. You, you have your celebrations, whether it's a parade or big pep rallies. Yeah. And then you have your, your banquet at the end of the year. But to be able to experience it every day in 2008 and see the magnitude of, of the support from the different people in the community, the amount of pride from Jayhawk Nation, which was cool to see because I missed out on that because I, I was on to another part of my journey. And... That was probably the coolest thing for me. It's just like you sit back and it's like, you know, wow, this is this is special. You know, <laughs> this is this is different. And you get a chance to see it every day and feel it. You knew it was special when you be a part of a championship team, but to be able to feel it every day because of the people around you and how moved they are and proud and um, happy that, you know, people are when those special seasons end that way mm. was really nice. But you know, it's a lot more um, nerve-wracking as a coach, just to be honest with you. <laughs> you, got more time, you got more time to think about it, right? You don't have to war warm up. You're just standing there thinking the whole time. You have to try to get out of your head. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, too, just other experiences as a head, head coach, too, with Tulsa and Wake Forest. I was, you know, doing a little little light research uh, about uh, Wake Forest. Amazed to see 14 players to the pros. And, you know, of course, John Collins' name comes up. But I wanted to see just what your approach is uh, to player development on, on and off the court. So we talked a little bit about it. But just, uh, you know, if you have a general philosophy or, or how you approach just, you know, making sure that guys reach that, that full potential. Well, you know, it goes back to Coach Brown. You know, this is if this is your ceiling, you know, he always felt like it was his obligation and responsibility to get you as close to that ceiling as possible every day. And that's kind of the mindset that I've adopted. And so you do it a lot of different ways. I'm not Coach Brown. And, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's won a national championship and a world championship in the NBA. But some of the mentality of, you know, what can I do to help my young guys that I come in contact with every day get better? And it's, yeah, you want to challenge them mentally, you want to challenge them physically, spiritually, across the board. You know, it's a it's an all-inclusive type of deal. But on the court, it's you see how the game is going, you see the style of play that your team is implementing, and then you want to fine-tune the, the different details and have great attention to detail when you're attacking angles offensively or defensively or understanding who you're guarding knowing the personnel knowing how good an athlete the person that you're competing up against at that particular time is these are all things that i talk to the guys about and basically it comes down to great attention to detail across the board and it has to be at a point mm -hmm. where it's it, it kicks in quickly hmm. um, from the standpoint of yeah we can leave the timeout and coach can say number 22 is your matchup Danny he's a power forward he's capable of stepping out to 17 feet and making a, a jump shot hmm. really good in the pay you got to box him out because he's athletic but what happens in transition when I can't get to my assigned matchup and now I'm guarding number one <laughs> He's a completely different type yeah, of player. Yeah. You know, so that those things, that attention to detail and knowing the that. scouting report. And those were things that really helped me hmm. battle back for my injuries. Um, just having great attention to detail, knowing who I was guarding, knowing 
the different players and how they were playing at that particular time. And that's the type of thing that I want to share with the guys I come in contact with every day. I want them to think more outside of just, hey, he can run, he can jump, I can run, I can jump. Like, how can I put my team in a situation to have success based upon my knowledge and information of the game? Because the older I got playing in the NBA, the less athletic you become. Yeah. (laughs) And the younger guys are coming in and they're faster, they jump higher, they move better. And I'm still trying, you're trying to survive. You're trying to keep your job a little bit longer, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, all the little things that you learn to navigate along the way to give yourself a chance to be effective and help your team are the little things that I try to share with my guys every day. Yeah, I love, I love that perspective because I always feel like if uh, a player can get to that mental edge sooner, you know, take that kind of older perspective and uh, you could and combine it with athleticism, boy, you'd really have something to, to go on then. Yeah, I mean, I always thought as the older I got, the better my anticipation needed to be across the board mm-hmm. because that gave me a chance to be quicker. If I could understand, maybe if I'm guarding a certain player, okay, this is his favorite move. This is what he does when he goes right. This is what he does when he goes left. If he catches the ball in this area, can he rise up and make a jump shot? Does he have three-point range? You know, all these are different things that I wanted to know about everybody I was playing up against. Yeah. And so I actually had a a scouting report for every player in the Eastern Conference or every player in the Western Conference. And I would read oh up on those. I would look. I grabbed my USA Today. And, and, and read the box scores. Yeah. Okay, I'm playing up against Derek McKee from the Seattle Supersonics. The last two games, he's had 20-plus points a game, so I know he's shooting the ball well from the perimeter. You know, different things yeah. like that that just try to, in my mind, gave me an advantage. Now, I don't know if it was true or not, but <laughs> literally it got me to a place where I felt like I could compete and, and, and bring something different to the table. But that's what you were saying earlier, too. That's, the, that's that mindset that you're bringing to it. Like, today's not, you know, today's not promise. Same thing there right. where you're, we're just saying, like, it, the, the thought and the feeling of having that, that, uh, uh, that energy is almost as important sometimes as the, you know, the moment going out and going out and doing it. You have to really be ready for it yourself. You're absolutely right. Love that. All right. I haven't been avoiding Maryland, but, you know, as an IU IU graduate, a Hoosiers fan, (laughs) it's been tough competing against Maryland recently. So I wanted to get your just uh, feelings about the upcoming season. And then I've got to ask you, too, because during the research, I didn't realize that your your son was coaching. Would you consider a father-son coaching duo? I don't know that I've ever seen that before, but uh, that'd that'd be pretty cool for college basketball, too. Yeah, I'll go backwards with answering the question. Okay. I, would, I would love to, to be on a staff where my son was. That's I was cool. fortunate enough to have that at Wake Forest. Yeah. He was my, my, Evan was my director of student athlete oh, development. Nice, I didn't even realize that. Was, that. That was terrific. That's cool. But you know what? That was part of my experience in college. My father was on Coach right. Brown's staff. That's right. And, um, you know, I, I look back on those days, and they were tough when my father was coaching me. But, man, it was special to be around him every day. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. From the standpoint of he played professional basketball. So growing up, they didn't have charter flights. When they went on a road trip, it was a real road trip. Yeah, right? yeah, right. For all. And so having that experience was cool. Um, but yeah, I would love that again if I could, if it ever happens to to be around my son every day and then the knowledge and, and and all the experiences that he has had on his short journey mm-hmm. uh, really helped me when I was at Wake Forest. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with different. Ideas. 
ideas and I'm thinking, you know what, that's pretty cool. And he's looking at me shaking his head like, nah, dad, nah, nah, nah. The guys, the guys, the guys close to my age, no, nah, they don't yeah, want to yeah. do anything like that. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that was beneficial. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question on that regard, yeah, I would love to, if that opportunity ever presented itself again, that. that would be wonderful. Um, Maryland, you know, for me, I'm, I'm working for a coach that I know, I love, and I trust, and I've been in battles with before. Yeah, that's great. And, and Mark Turgeon, and um, he's had a tremendous amount of success during his time at Maryland, and I'm excited about this team. And, you know, it's, it's a new chapter on my journey from the standpoint of living in a different area, mm-hmm. you know, living close to the nation's capital, and you, you realize, wow, a lot of things revolve around this area. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not kidding. <laughs> you know, but, you know, the amount of things that you're able to do, the restaurants and places that you can get to, it's been a cool experience so far, and I'm looking forward to yeah. learning more about the Big Ten. I know they've got great coaches and great players and tremendous support, and that's something that I've not been fortunate enough to be a part of on my journey, mm-hmm. this, this conference. And so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I think our team has a chance to continue to get better each and every day. And hopefully when it's time for the NCAA tournament to roll around, um, our name gets called and we're able to go on a deep run. And mm. that's, what you, that's what you're playing for. And that's the mindset that you're trying to establish with your guys right now. And, and that's something that Coach Turge talks about every day is we got to get better every day. Mm-hmm. Some days, you know, I'm not going to be clicking at 100%, but I'm going to give you the best that I can that particular day. And then hopefully at the end, you know, we've, we've moved enough stones and pebbles and rocks to create a really good mountain mm-hmm. to have a base to, to go from there. So, you know, it's it was an easy... Um, transition for me in the sense of coming to an area that I was excited to be coming to just because it's a new experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, working for Turge has been terrific and it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. All right. Well, I'm going to get you out of here on, on this. I want to talk a little bit about name image likeness because uh, I think that it, I'm not, you know, I'm not positive, but I feel like it's maybe an inflection point in just the history of, of uh, you know, amateur basketball in general, because it seems to be reshaping things. And it's, I know a lot of it's unknown so far, but just wanted to start out getting your perspective on what it is, you know, for the players, what you've seen or, or what your perspective, you know, what your approach would be if you were coming up as a high school recruit right now. My perspective would, would vary from the standpoint of if I was um, walking into this without any experience from the professional level and just reading about what I thought name, image, and likeness was all about, I would have a skewed mentality mm-hmm. <laughs> because there are a lot of things that you read that, you know what, this is possible. Yeah. But a lot of the young people think it's a certainty. Mm. You know, like I yeah. played in the NBA 15 years. I'll say it again, blessed and fortunate enough to do it. And we had a lot of professional players that were on sponsorship deals with a lot of different shoe companies. Let's just do the shoe companies. Yep. And we weren't getting paid. We were getting product. We were getting incentive. 
advised deals where maybe if you played X amount of minutes or your team made it this far in the playoffs or you made the all-star team or you were named sixth man of the year that you might get a cash infusion with a bonus. Hmm. But a lot of times it was just straight product. Hmm. And now you flip it to these guys and it's, you know, they're going through it and it's like, dude, it's not all about money all the time. Right. You know, you might be able to do it, uh, get a, a sponsorship with a restaurant. Just, just take three or four meals a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no kidding. You're not kidding. That's a, that, that, that could be a lot. <laughs> you know, and so just getting those guys to, to understand a lot of different ways that you can take advantage of this without necessarily going the money route. Yeah. Um, because it's it's different. Yeah, you're going to read about the certain guys playing for certain schools that get whatever types of deals in terms of financial reward. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be like that across the board for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, no, and most. understanding that. And then also, I mean, navigating how that affects the mindset of young people. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we as coaches, we talked about when, when this went through. It's just like, okay, your star quarterback gets this type of deal. He starts hitting a rough spot or he gets injured. The backup comes in. He starts playing well. The team starts rolling. Does that starting quarterback lose his deal? Does that deal, whatever it was or whatever they were, move on to the guy who started at this particular time who's the backup yeah. how does that dynamic affect your locker room um in that regard and so you know it's it's a lot for for all these young athletes to try to navigate the one thing that i think it does i think it makes it really challenging and difficult for the young people to grasp now you have three real entities that you're trying to navigate as a college student student athlete right yep you, you, you know and, and it's 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 gone to the athletic side now you have the endorsement side and then you have the academic piece right so if you don't hit the academic numbers you're not eligible to play and so the other two go out the window hmm. but you don't want your young people investing all their time into trying to figure out different ways to take advantage of name, image, and likeness because the first two, academically and athletics, those are the ones that are driving the boat. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, without, without those, right, you you don't have the, that third part. Right. And and so, you know, a lot of these young people, when I talk to all my coaches, friends in the profession, it's just like trying to un- get these kids to understand, like, no, you need to make sure you take care of your academics. You need to make sure you're you know, you go back to your room and you get your paper written or you get the rough draft turned in in time or you prepare for this test opposed to trying to figure out ways to navigate and, and secure some type of sponsorship deals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's a lot for, it is a lot for a, a lot of these young athletes to, to grasp. Um, but just understand, you know, you, you got to keep the first things first. Yeah. I hope for them too. just enjoy college because <laughs> that was one of the best times of my life. And uh, I, I hate, I hate the thought of uh, losing, losing that element. I know already student athletes that they've got that, 
you know, separation from maybe the rest of the student population, but there's just still a lot of time to, to that simpler times that you were referencing earlier where you don't have the weight, you know, the weight of family and, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people on your back uh, can be something too. Yeah. Well, you know, the mindset of, you know, a lot of the people that we come across in athletics is, and it goes back to junior high for these elementary school. Yeah. I want to play on this travel team because they play in this state or mm. they travel here or they get to wear this gear or they get this gear. And then it gets to high school. I want to go to this high school because they play a national schedule or they are, have a sponsorship deal or they play on ESPN. And then they get to college. So everything's yeah. a race. And so whatever level that you're at, when you're trying to teach and work with these young people, you're trying to disrupt their race. Hmm. And, and everybody's race is different. LeBron yeah. James' race was a lot different than mine, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just that's the reality. That's what yeah. it was. And, and so everybody has to understand that, you know, the, the race that you're running is your individual race and don't compare it to somebody else. And we do too much comparison. Yeah. comparing, excuse me, um, to different individuals and their races. I mean, I look back as a parent, and it's just like, you know, when we had our kids, it was just like, I want my child to um, go to this type of school. I want my child to go to this type of college. I want my child to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and all that sounds good until yeah. all of a sudden your kid's ready to start making decisions on their own, right? Right. And it's just like, no, nah, Dad, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> Hang so, on. Yeah. So those those are the things that you know you're trying to navigate um, with all these young people. You know, it's like, okay, what what do you want to do? All right. Well, okay, that's fine. Let's talk about how we can accomplish that. You know, what's at the end of the day? What's what's the end goal? What's your why? What do you what do you what do you really want out of this? And so a lot of times you got to take it all the way back to something as, as simple as you know what what the clarity what is your why mm. of why you're doing this and then you can even talk about it like the daily like if that's your why did you put yourself in the best position to make that happen today mm. you know and it goes to being you know you want to be productive you want to make sure that you bring the right energy and um you know the one thing that i'm i really admire about the, the young people of today is they have tremendous amount of courage <laughs> from the standpoint of wanting to be their real authentic self and that's something that's very um, appealing and, and encouraging to me because you know a lot of times in the era that I grew up in it was you probably pay a little bit more attention to you know what's this person think or what's this person feel mm -hmm. opposed to hey this is this is who I am and <laughs> I'm going to live my life um, intentionally the way I want to. Yeah. And that's something that I really appreciate. But you also have to understand, um, you know, if you accept the praise, you got to accept the criticism. That was John Thompson. Oh, man. You know, playing for him, that's something he always said. And there are a lot of times our young people, they want the praise, but they don't want the criticism. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and that's a part of it. Yeah, I love that. Well, they're lucky to have you as a coach. I appreciate you uh, giving giving that perspective, and I, I love that uh, interrupt the race kind of uh, that that saying. That's a great coachism right there. Uh, 
uh, don't mi- don't miss the moment type of uh, uh, phrase there. I love that. Well, let's let's end on a on a fun one. Uh, right. If you're if you're drafting, so you got to draft five players from Kansas's past uh, for your name, image, likeness top five. Uh, so it doesn't have to be the best players, obviously. But if you, you're you're filling out your roster to as a maybe as an agent to to uh, make some money, who would who would you pick and and why? Well, it does have to be a situation where they got to be pretty good. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Right, that's true. Right, yeah, right. yeah. No, of course, of course. Because that's what's going to generate <laughs> um, the interest. So, you know, for me, Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. Solid start. <laughs> you know, he, he changed the game. I yeah. mean, he averaged 50 and 30 in the in the NBA, right? Yeah. So you have an off night. You know, you have that's an, an off, off night. night. <laughs> oh, yeah. 49. Yeah. You get 30 points. That's an yeah. off night. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, he what was, happened? He was different. He was yeah. different. He was special. Yeah. Um, and then I would I would go with Thomas Robinson as my powerful. Oh, okay. Okay. I love I that. His, I think his story, his journey, uh, the things that he went through um, were challenging. Yeah. Um, and, and it was challenging for a lot of us, you know, the, the coaching staff, his teammates, but the mindset, the mentality that he had. And I just think it's a terrific story. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, Paul Pierce, okay. Hall of Famer. Yep. That's, that, that says enough. Um, my backcourt would be JoJo White. <laughs> okay. You know, JoJo was a hell of a baller and had a terrific career. Yeah. Um, the other backcourt person for me would be Kirk Heinrich. Okay. I think he uh, personified grit, toughness, and versatility. And also was a part of USA Basketball. And I, I'm going to throw a six-man at you. Oh, all right. I love it. A six-man would be Scott Pollard because he's just a, <laughs> a talented player who had a great career, but he was very, very colorful. And <laughs> I love and that I description. I think he could generate a lot of uh, opportunities for himself with name, image, and likeness now if he was in college. Get him in front of a car dealership. He would, <laughs> and something would come out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Danny. Well, I I so appreciate your time today and best of luck in the the upcoming season. Again, Maryland's lucky to have you and uh, come back on at any time. We'd love to talk. Just keep keep the conversation going because you had so many insights today that were just uh, great for anybody to listen to. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me and have a great day. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the 19.9 podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. Five stars only, like the basketball camp. We also have links to all of 19.9 social media so you never miss a release. Until next time, 